Terry Broad and Tony Asin. Underground. I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed about that. Probably my mm. favorite Raw thing. Pop, quick, quick quiz. What's your favorite Raw thing so far? Uh, that's a tough one. I don't have the rest of the show to think about it. We'll touch on it again at the end, okay? All right. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is August 25th. 2014, you are listening to the Raw Reaction, a presentation of Powerhouse Radio and ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. I'm Harry Broadhurst. The voice you heard earlier is Tony Acero. Tony, welcome. Yo. And kind of a light on content show tonight, but let's get to it anyways. Yeah. Because um, I know you're going to specifically touch on one of the things that irks you about the show tonight a little bit later on in one of your dues. But for now, let's talk about Raw, shall we? Let's do it. All right, and let's talk about the opening segment and then it's lead into the main event segment for tonight, both the singles match between John Cena and Bray Wyatt and then the following six-man tag match where John Cena teamed with the Big Show and Mark Henry to take on the team of Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, and Eric Rowan. Let's first talk about that Hall of Fame panel segment. Do you think they should do more things like this where you get a chance to bring out guys like a Shawn Michaels and like a Ric Flair? I mean, we've mentioned here on the reaction before that we feel maybe we see a little bit too much of Flair and a little bit too much of Hogan, but we don't get to see Michaels a lot anymore. So do you think maybe these kind of segments where they bring back the guys, the stars that the Attitude Era fans will know, and the people that they're marketing the network towards, to bring them out of the mothballs and onto the episode of Monday Night Raw in order to entice maybe the older fans to go back and rewatch some of their content in addition to putting over the current storyline? Um, I don't know, because I get what they were doing with it, but it just didn't come off too well. It seemed all, all of it seemed kind of pointless. It was nice to see Michaels, but that feeling faded away pretty quickly. Um, it felt like it was a it felt like it was a pre-show panel, and whether it's their fault for kind of you know conditioning us to expect that, or it's just the, the way it came off. Um, flair was flair, which is not a positive or negative statement. Uh, <laughs> Hogan was you know a Cena supporter, but I mean basically John Cena came out and no sold the whole thing. I mean yeah he said he respected them and everything, but he could have cut that promo without any of this without any of the three that were there. Um, it was essentially a opening talking bit with, like, a bow on it. You know, it was still an opening talk, you know, talking bit that just didn't... I don't know, this whole show tonight was just... It was like a... It was like a... It was like repairing something that didn't need to be repaired, and i.e. John Cena. Um, that, and we'll get well, into that more in depth later. We're going to get but, into this here shortly. Yeah. 
but the whole show, and we're, I'm talking about the opening, you know, to the to the to the closing. It was all about you know repairing something that really didn't need it, including bringing Hall of Famers back to you know pontificate on the validity of a rematch. When I think it kind of you know could have written itself, didn't necessarily need this type of extra. And I don't as much as it's cool to see these guys. I didn't see it add anything to Raw or to the main event. The video package did more. Then um, you know, with Brock talking over the clips and the and and everything, that did more for a rematch than than any of the three Hall of Famers, including you know and, I, and John Cena. And I think one of the things that we can definitely agree on is Brock is definitely a lot better in those video packages than he is when he gives a live mic. Oh yeah. But in regards to what you were saying, I kind of see where you're coming from in regards to the your standard opening segment with a little bow tied on it. And the big thing for me that turned me off towards the segment was the whole pontificating on the possible retirement of John Cena, knowing when to say when. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan are going to tell John Cena when to say when. The hell out of here. Yeah. yeah, that was a little line that just shouldn't have been said. It it just is not. It's not believable. It's like someone telling you not to smoke weed while they're high. It just doesn't make any sense. Do, 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 do. The more you know. Brought to you by Tony. Yes, All right, so let's move into the actual match portion of this particular segment here, and let's talk about the main event. First, the singles match. Do you want to go first here? Because i got to work. Yeah, I have a feeling. Yeah, I have a feeling you're gonna you're gonna tear someone in. Yes, this is horrible in every sense of the word. This wasn't even a match, and match would be, I guess it would be acceptable. Um, you know, it's it's a like I said earlier, it's a repair job. It's something that they do a lot. Somebody loses, not just Cena. Somebody loses, and they feel the need to assure us that yes, they lost at that point in time, but they're still able to be, you know, a big deal. And this hasn't happened to just Cena. He just seems to be the person that it happens to the most. What happens when you do this, however, is that not only do you tarnish the the, the loss that this person suffered, thereby making it not mean as much and essentially saying that your character is undamaged, um, but you also hurt somebody else in the process. So that happened in spades tonight. John Cena got his ass beat, and he could say he got his ass beat numerous times. But if he comes back a week later and doesn't really show any signs of such an ass beating, doesn't show any any you know mental anguish, doesn't show any you know possible fear or trepidation, and then you have him in a match with an opponent who like played mind games with him for months, who had a WrestleMania match with him that was you know pretty evenly matched until the end, and then have him basically slaughter this person, you are essentially doing the very thing that you're trying to repair, which is completely eradicating any validity in a character instead of simply trying to make this a different type of story. It was a complete and utter slaughter of Bray Wyatt. And, of course, they can repair him, but how are they going to do it? What are they going to do? And is it too late? And do we care? It was just, it was all a mess. It was a really, uh, it was really sad to watch. And the longer it went on, the longer I was sitting there typing away, like, wow, this is really happening. This is really unfortunate. Slaughter is one thing. I can understand, possibly, understand 
where they're coming from in regards to building Cena back up to his millions and millions of little kid fans because he is the top merch seller. The little kids worship the ground that Cena walks on. One of my best, one of my best female friends has a son who's only five, and he owns pretty much every piece of John Cena merchandise that's ever come out. And this is their way of letting those little kids know that their heroes still stand strong. The problem with that theory is, as I said, fodder is one thing. What we saw tonight on Monday Night Raw was a goddamn hatchet job on the Wyatt family. In what context are any of us supposed to take any of the members of that family seriously anymore? When they got single-handedly bulldozed by a guy who got more or less his ass handed to him for 16 minutes in the main event of the second biggest pay-per-view of the year. It wasn't just that he took out Bray Wyatt the way that he did in the singles match there. It wasn't just the fact that he tapped Luke Harper, who, as we've speculated on this show before, is kind of impervious to pain. He's like, ow, what was that? That kind of hurt a little in the past, but we've never actually seen him like register pain on a full scale. It's one thing that he took out Luke Harp or excuse me, Eric Rowan with the post match attitude adjustment as well. And then giving Bray another attitude adjustment as well as well at the tail end of the match there. It's the fact that all of these things happened in one rapid succession. Without him ever looking weak. That's my beef with it. If you're going to have him get his ass handed to him like he did by Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, but then you're going to turn around and have him completely negate anything that happened there, as you said when you had your little spiel on this match there, what was the point of doing the the burial by Lesnar at SummerSlam in the first place? What mission does it accomplish other than sacrificing the second biggest main event of your calendar year, assuming we consider WrestleMania to be the biggest show of the year, which of course it is, and therefore the WrestleMania main event is the biggest main event of the year. I think we can pretty much agree that SummerSlam is the second biggest show of the year. And they at least build it to be such. <clears throat> it wasn't that those things happened individually. It's that everything happened in consequence and in sequence with each other that just pissed me off to no end. Yeah, and, and you know, it's not, just, it's not just what happened. It's the reasoning behind it. Like, yeah, if we're looking at it, they're, they're attempting to rebuild something that they feel they damaged just to give Brock the belt. But... I mean, the best heroes are the ones that have some semblance of weakness, are the ones that can be considered broken, the ones that are easily relatable. You can't relate to Cena. I can't relate to Cena. Um, No kids can relate to Cena because he's untouchable. He's impervious. He's not, you know, he's not someone that, you know, is long-lasting, if you will, in terms of emotional drawing because there is no emotion other than, very, very cheesy or very, very mad. There's no in-between. Um, so the the dude, like the character itself, yeah, like there was no reason for him to have to be rebuilt, if you will, or shown as someone who has a whole new attitude or, you know, was changed after that ass beating. Like how many times have we seen him get his ass beat? I'm not saying that Brock was any different. Everybody agrees online. And I think a lot of people in general agree that him losing the belt to Brock was 
was okay. We were accepting of it. We weren't mad about it. We thought it would it would lead to something new. It would lead to something interesting, and give other people a chance to shine. Because if you don't have your world heavyweight champion on the show, you have to have something interesting. And that's how we got a main event last week that was quite possibly the match of the year. And then this year it was kind of like, oh, Definitely just in case you guys got match of the year. Yeah, just in case you guys got excited uh, last week, let's just give you more of the same. And that's what they did. They, 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 they had to remind us that John Cena is still John Cena, and that's not going to change. And if you don't like it, oh, well, because this is where we're going, and we're going to basically decimate someone who just beat Chris Jericho. Um, <laughs> you know, like, wh- Why? <laughs> Well, let's also factor in the fact that Bray Wyatt has something of a cult following of his own. And realistically speaking, one of the other things that they're going to do by doing what they did tonight on Raw is they're going to completely alienate the fan base that Bray Wyatt has been building up thus far. Yeah, well, somebody... Well, you guys are watching. They had said that it felt like they were going to go for a possible face turn um, and why I didn't see that, but it was just a thought, and it was more of a wishful thinking, I think. Well, when I read that, I'm like, oh, yeah, you, you wish he was going for a face turn. That's how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's, as it's as I said, though. It's not that it happened. It's that everything happened in consequence to completely bury the entire Wyatt family. I mean, long-time listeners of the reaction, we've been doing this since about April, Tony. Long-time listeners of the reaction know that I'm a huge fan of the Wyatt family. I love the gimmick. I love the workers that are associated with it. Even Eric Rowan, who has shown drastic amounts of improvement since his call-up earlier in the year. But stuff like this, stuff like what happened tonight on Raw, is going to do nobody any favors. And that includes John Cena. Because then you're having him completely blow off any kind of a semblance of maybe doubt that they could have tied into the character based on can I handle Brock Lesnar after what happened there. Lesnar made an excellent point when he was building up to the SummerSlam main event. When they had their match at Extreme Rules back in 2012, Lesnar was still battling with diverticulitis. What was seen as excuse for SummerSlam? He didn't have one, and therefore it should have allowed us to see some shades of gray, some shades of doubt creep into Cena's mind, like can I handle the Beast Incarnate? Instead, it's I'm going to beat the holy hell out of the entire Wyatt family. <laughs> Sorry. I'm and uh, No, it's fine. I agree. Now, not to <clears throat> get off track, because I think we'll mention it later, but if we were, just because if I'm thinking of, you know, devil's advocate and thinking of someone else who would say we're just talking this way because of John Cena, um, let's compare it to Roman Reigns, who didn't beat Kane and Seth Rollins tonight, but it wasn't a handicap match and pretty much single-handedly, you know, handled them. Do you think that there's a difference? And if so, why would you say there is? Uh, Kane's basically a semi-active employee at this point, and Seth Rollins has been portrayed as a coward. The Wyatt Good family has me. never been booked. <laughs> any, the Wyatt family had never been booked as anybody that it ran away from a fight, much less gotten their asses handed to them anymore. They might right. lose, but they never lost convincingly. Tonight it was very convincing, and frankly, it was a very stupid decision. We'll get more into the Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, they the basically show. were they were like the three MB of tonight. Like they, Wyatt got <laughs> yeah, nothing. No freaking, you know. Like, I think he's got more offense than Wyatt did. 
Um, <laughs> against the that's because Heath and later. That's because Heath and uh, Titus O'Neil actually almost won their match. We'll get to that match in quick hits. You look thirsty over yeah. there, Tony. A little bit. All right, so um, we're we've we've gotten to the whole. We talked about it last week. How Rusev, the, a lot of storylines seemed to drop off last week, like nothing, and then the right ones continued. Is what we we said. We said that the right storylines kept going because they had a lot more traction to hold on to, whereas some just kind of needed to end. Not that they were bad; they were actually really good. But there was just a, there was some semblance of closure. Well, tonight someone reopened the fucking book. Um, <laughs> Jack Swagger fought Rusev. <laughs> There was literally, if I recall, the only mention of Mark Henry Rusev interaction wasn't met, wasn't made until the main event. Henry wasn't mentioned that at all correct. during the match of Swagger um, versus Rusev. Like it was as if this was just oh just let's just do this again because it's been done before. This is the match was great. I really enjoy the way those two work together. I think that I think that Rusev has a lot of untapped talent considering his size. I don't mean size as in stature, more as in like, you know, his build. He's a he's a a thicker person, but he can move, and and I'm getting more and more impressed by him. Kind of pretty much each time, but um, in he's a stocky little sub bitch. Yeah, he is. You know, it looks like if you pushed him the right way, he'd roll down a hill forever. Um, they. They had a good match. And then, of course, you had Swagger taped up, and he was selling his injury the whole time. Rusev, another thing is the dude could sell an injury as well. He sold the ankle the entire time, and he's done that every single time. Um, and you saw the ending. It, was, it, it basically looked like, you know, um, Swagger may have gotten his, his, you know, his just due before it just didn't happen. Um, and we, a lot of people thought or assumed that it was going to be um, – uh, you know, Henry was going to run down or Bo Dallas was going to run down or something like that. Um, but we ended up getting what we got, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> you know, like, like it was more of a – it's like it's almost like they forgot to transition. So tonight was their, like, oh, shit, maybe we, should, maybe we should transition this, you know, properly instead of just cutting it off and then having Mark Henry do his thing. Um, so I guess well, – I don't I guess know if you can really – Sorry to step on your line there, Tony, but I don't know if you can really consider this transitioning out because we still haven't had a decisive finish in this feud. Well, that's well, that's my that's my point exactly. Like there was, they brought it back, but once again, there was a lot of questioning of the booking tonight. I simply I asked myself why, numerous times. Like, what? Are, why? <laughs> you know, I I love the backstage bit with Bo. I love that you know Swagger you know was all like, all right, I'm tired of this little shit. I think that they're going to do well. I think that Bo Dallas needs something like this, even if he, you know, isn't may or may not be ready, you know, according to other people. But there's something there. There's a story, and that's what I've always been. I think Bo Dallas needs something like that, a story. And if Swagger's going to go on this, you know, it, it just it works. It's a that's a good transition. Swagger loses, feels bad about losing for America. Has this pressure on him that he was supposed to defend us as a country and failed and then you got this other you got this dude telling him essentially that you failed <laughs> and you disappointed a whole country <laughs> like it's a, it's a, it, it works so i can see it working but for whatever reason tonight it was like they realized they have four weeks instead of three so they slowed the story down by prolonging what they already stopped 
Well, while we're in the process here, and we'll get back to the uh, we'll get back to the swagger and Bruce match as well. Your thoughts on the Kofi Kingston Bo Dallas match that occurred a little bit later on in the show, and then I'll give you my thoughts on the entire overarching angle. Well, it was it was short. Um, it was of course there was a sloppy ending. Um, it was you know, and mistakes happen. I can't. I'm not going to sit here and scream out botch like I've seen many times before, and I find extremely annoying. Um, it was a mistake. Mistakes happen. It's a live TV show, you know, and they recovered as best as they could, I think, uh, considering. But at the end of the day, what was it? It was literally there just so that Swagger could attack Bo Dallas. And that's a shame because it, it's a sign of, a yet again, a number, an, another push for Kofi Kingston that ultimately went nowhere. Well, the thing is, is they still have him doing that, um, I guess we're going to still loosely call it the New Nation thing at the house shows. Um, my official thought on this, and I made this known last week on the reaction, was that I don't think that it's over. I think that they paused it temporarily because of SummerSlam and the fact that it would have gotten lost in the shuffle. But now that even though they're still running at the house shows, it still hasn't been on TV since SummerSlam. Do you have any faith at all that the New Nation is going to happen? I wouldn't mind it happening. I don't know. I don't. I mean, all we have is speculation and rumors. That's it. There has no. There has not been an end on television. There hasn't been anything like that. And I don't really like going off of rumors or you know things that come from the Wrestling Observer or Meltzer or anything like that. It's not really my thing. So my assumption is simply when it comes up, it comes up. My my faith, however, in it being successful is where it wavers more so than whether or not it will actually happen. Simply put, I don't know if they're smart enough to pull off a storyline like this without it becoming cliche, racist, or just dumb. I mean, because obviously the original nation crossed into that line, that line several yeah. times before. And, and I think in their hypersensitive state that the, that the company is personally in, especially with all the money that they've been losing lately, it's going to become a question of are they going to risk alienating fans any further, and I don't know if they're going to be willing to take that chance. All right. On to my thoughts for the matches themselves tonight as far as Kofi Kingston and Bo Dallas and Swagger and Rusev. Um, I completely agree with you with Rusev. Rusev has done nothing but impress me ever since he's gotten the call-up. He's one of the few NXT guys that they have called up this year that's actually been able to make a very smooth transition from NXT up to the WWE main roster. We've seen Adam Rose struggle. We've seen Bo Dallas have kind of stop and start pushes. Rusev has been the one example because, remember, he debuted this year at the Rumble because he won the NXT tournament. He's been the one constant this year that of the NXT guys that has been able to impress constantly. He's, his in-ring work is getting better. Lana's promo skills are... I wouldn't say she's the greatest mic worker, but as far as female managers go, she's up there. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean throughout football... or Excuse me, throughout wrestling in general. I had a fantasy football draft tonight. Football in the brain. Throughout wrestling in general, she's probably one of the better female managers. Yeah, that's going to end up as a clip on somewhere, I'm sure. Anyways. <laughs> I I had a moment. I'm sorry. It happens. I've been doing so well tonight, too. Then going on to uh, Kofi Kingston and Bo Dallas. I'm with you on the, the Kofi Kingston thing because it's obvious that they don't know what they're going to do with Kofi Kingston related to the TV thing, and as far as the New Nation thing goes, it goes back to what I just said there. I think they're run, really worried that they're going to run the risk of alienating people in the hypersensitive state and in the ultra-conservative state that they're in in regards to like the finances of the company as well. 
So I don't necessarily think that the nation's ever going to get off of the ground, but I think it's it's telling that they're still using the gimmick at the house shows, it, whether or not they're actually teaming together or if they're actually doing the whole thing with Xavier Woods getting the mic time for them before the matches or anything like that goes. That I can't answer because I haven't had a chance to check out any of the any of the house show results. Um, as far as my comment on Lana and managing football, it doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> A I deserve that. <laughs> I deserve that. I'll be the first person to admit it. Can we move on? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's pay some bills, Tony. What do you say? All right. The raw reaction is a presentation of Powerhouse Radio in association with Pro Wrestling Powerhouse www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. We are available live every Monday night at 11.30 on blogtalkradio.com backslash PWP radio. I'm Harry Broadhurst. I'm the host of The Raw Reaction. And in addition to doing the duties I have here with The Reaction, I also work as the play-by-play announcer for... Real Action Pro Wrestling, which is based in Campbell, Ohio, as well as play-by-play, backstage interviewer, DVD interviewer, internet interviewer, whatever they need me to do, jack-of-all-trades at Black Diamond Wrestling, based out of Wheeling, West Virginia. In addition, one of the things that I'm associated with is the Yes, Yes, Yes group on Facebook. It's something that a lot of the guys... From 411 Mania, where Tony's from, a lot of the guys from both of my wrestling promotions tend to hang out, we talk wrestling and stuff, and as well as getting everybody else's opinions as to what's going on in the world of wrestling as well. Um, Tony, why don't you go ahead and tell them about what you do over at 411. Um, the weekly Raw Recapper, um, I do it, you know, I, for nights such as this where you may not want to watch, you can just read what happened via my reports. I'm also the writer of the Wrestling 5 to one, five and 1, which has taken two weeks off. Um going to be back this week. Uh, I think I'm going to talk about Dean Ambrose and whether or not he is a main event or can be a main event star. So I'm looking forward to writing that up. I have a pretty solid stance on it. And um, I'm I'm sure you're just as interested as other people um, to see not just what I think, but just the thoughts about it in general. You know that I've always been Ambrose's biggest supporter out of all of us here on The Reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So, so you'll see whether I think that it's possible or, you know, if I think he's going to be a main event star, if I think he, you know, deserves to be, if I think his character has longevity. A lot of a lot of questions that I want to answer that I think a lot of people would have or a lot of people have answered on their own. Um, aside from that, I am um, pretty closely affiliated with uh, Apex Pro, which had a show last week. And I don't know if I told you about it, but uh, we had a particular superstar show up um, to the event. Um the, you know, Road Dog Jesse James was there, met him, had a nice yeah. little conversation with him. Um, he's bigger than I thought, um, <laughs> both both in uh, stature and height. Um, he was he was actually really nice. And here's the thing, indie shows, and you know this, you're, they're either really good or really crappy, you know. Um, Apex Pro, they've got hungry, hungry wrestlers in the locker room, and they do their best to put on a great show. But at the end of the day, they're still at the, you know, I'd say lower level of, of as far as crowd, 
um, fame and just, you know, just as far as uh, longevity of, of an actual, fe- you know, an actual indie federation. So it's really cool to be a part of something that tries their hardest to grow and continues to do so. What's even cooler is when someone like Road Dog comes by and stands in a locker room, which is not really a locker room, but just a bunch of sheets, and tells these guys and talks to these guys like they're peers. I mean, dude, if we can go off topic a little bit, it was so, it was like goosebump inducing to see that this guy who is a part of the biggest wrestling company ever, who has a, is a legend in his own right, who has history as a performer that had fans, legions of fans on any given night, you know, during the Attitude Era, to have him come to pretty much a ghetto place in L.A. and talk to these guys who are, like, you know, barely trying to be wrestlers. Not all of them, but, you know, some of them are huge or some of them are great. But there's also the guys, there's a dude who, you know, no offense to him, but he had a cereal box on his head. And that was his gimmick. Like, that was who he was. You know, that guy, and once again, I'm not trying to insult anybody because I don't know him. I don't know who he is at all. But he, what would Road Dog possibly be able to say to him? <laughs> you know what I mean? And yet, there he was, having a conversation with him, telling people that was a great match, telling people you, you could have did this better or, or this and that. Or, he wasn't scouting. That, you know, at least that's what I felt. He was there. Like, when I asked him, like, oh, what are you doing here? Because um, I did ask him. He said, SummerSlam's in L.A. I wanted to check out, um, you know, some of the local work here. So someone told me about Apex Pro on Twitter. I'm here just as a wrestling fan. I'm like, what the hell? It's just very humbling, you know what I mean, to to see someone at that level come down to our, you know, American Legion place where there's a disco ball. Um, I can give you a prime example from my career of having kind of that same experience. Uh, Back in November of 2013... I did a show that was made evented by a 10-man tag match that included a lot of our local talent, guys like The Bouncer, guys like Crusher, um, Brian Hinder, who, I, who I've always felt was super underrated as far as both worker and gimmick. And we had two names in for that main event 10-man tag match, and they were The Necro Butcher and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Huh. So I can relate to you on a level of these guys coming down to the uh, two-year local independent shows and being able to spend time with the guys that are just breaking into the business or still trying to make their names in the business. And it's a great way for guys like a Road Dog and guys like a Jim Duggan to, hand, to give back to a business that has given them so much over the years, too. Yeah, it was really nice. It was just It was really nice to see in regards to that's something that they don't ever have to do in their life again, ever. They don't ever have to go to a to a you know Kiwanis Club YMCA high school gym and talk to any of the wrestlers. They don't owe them anything, and yet there they are giving their time, their efforts, their their knowledge, their advice. And never once did I see it in his face. Oh, I'm better than this. Never once did I assume that he looked at the crowd or the fans or the wrestlers as something beneath him. It was just, I, I don't know the dude. I don't Even after this, I don't know him. But it was just really, really cool to see. Right there with you. Um, you ready to get into quick hits here, Tony? Yeah, let's do it. 
All right, we're going to have to go a little bit faster through these than we normally would. We're running a little bit behind schedule right now, so let's go ahead and get right into them, and let's start with the number one contendership to the U.S. title, Cesaro versus Raw Van Dam. Uh, could they have telegraphed the finish of this match any more clearly over the last couple of weeks on Raw and SmackDown? Yeah, well, Raw sucks, so rushing through it isn't going to be that bad of, you know, bad of a, a notion this particular week. Yeah, no, um... Yeah, I know RVD got his ass beat on Friday by Orton, and I thought he was going to be out for a little bit, and then he just kind of shows up. So it didn't bother me, but it was just like, oh, okay, well, there we go. Yeah, I, I didn't, it was, I kind of saw it coming. We all saw it coming. I think the match itself is going to be great, so I'm all for it. I just, we haven't really cared about the U.S. title in a while, so maybe this will make us, maybe. Yeah, it's one of the matches that we were mentioning before because I, I think it was payback or... Either payback or money in the bank, and I believe it was payback because I think Cesaro was in the main event with the uh, with the titles on the line, so I think it was payback. Where these two actually faced over that U.S. title, and we were both mentioning that we were looking forward to it as long as the match got time. And I think we can say basically the same thing about the Night of Champions rematch. There is as long as Cesaro and Sheamus get the time that they want, give them ten minutes on the pay per view, and they're going to beat the crap out of each other, and it's going to be a very entertaining ten minutes. Yeah. So I see no problems whatsoever with this. All right, let's move on to Dolph Ziggler and Damian Mizdow. <laughs> um, two points for hey, trying. He was on the wall, at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, it, it was kind of obvious when Miz said he got himself a stunt double. There's no one else that's going to be doing it. It ultimately led to nothing. Um, it was one way to keep Miz away from Dolph, because when they said Miz versus Dolph, I'm like, again? <laughs> so... It's a way to, you know, elongate that feud, which is fine. It was harmless. I feel bad for Sandow. I'm hoping for the eventual moment where he snaps and says, I'm tired of this bullshit, but who knows when that'll come. I want him to do that in those exact words. <laughs> I am so tired of this bull. I can see it. Uh, last thing to touch on here in quick hit. Um, yeah, I'm with you here. I actually didn't mind the use of Sandow in this particular way because, okay, when he said that he brought in a substitute, actually the first thought that went through my head was Heath Slater. But realistically thinking, logically speaking, it makes sense that it would be Damien here. And it's nice to see Damien back on Raw after having been off for a couple of weeks at least. So, um, Honestly, it's a countdown to he either snaps or gets released because one of the two is happening. It's probably going to happen relatively soon. At least I would hope for yeah. Sandow's sake. Especially for the sake of his sanity at this rate. Uh, last match to get to real quick here. Uh, Los Matadors versus Slater Gator. Am I the only uh, one that sees potential on the team of Slater Gator? No. Actually, you're not. I see tons of potential in that team. I think that they both can be something, but it didn't work for me tonight. Um, the promo didn't work for me in the beginning of the match. The match itself was a the ultimate who the fuck cares. Unfortunately, they didn't even mention, I mean, uh, did, okay, I couldn't recap the match because I didn't know who was who, and I usually depend on the commentators to tell me, but honestly, I don't even think they knew because they didn't once mention either of them by name. They just let the match uh, go. All right. Diego and Fernando, you mean? Yes. But I would assume like, they would they, be able to tell Slater and Titus apart. Yeah, of course. But the Usos, 
for instance, you're almost always going to hear Cole say, oh, yep, this is Jay, you know, in the ring. And, and they have a little bit more of a, a differential as far as, um, I don't want to say weight, but girth, you know. Um, so sometimes sometimes it's difficult for me to tell them apart, but there's always Cole or JBL saying it's Jay Uso starting up or whatever. The Matadors, not one mention about who was in the ring at any one time. And I don't even know which one is Primo and which one is, is you know, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. That's how little they care. <laughs> Yeah, so what was this? I don't know what this was. I heard that Heath and Titus were doing a winning streak thing and they were building up a team and then they lost tonight. Maybe this will lead to something next week. I don't know, but it was just kind of there and it was one of those things that I didn't care about either way. I see potential in Slater I don't know why we're having them lose to Los Matadores, especially this close to Fernando coming back from the injury because I don't know if you're aware of this or not. The reason Fernando hadn't been on TV lately is because he like, blew out his knee or something. Yeah, so yeah, well, yeah that, they didn't even the mention, is, or at least I didn't hear them mention a return. And, and I know he's been gone, I know he's been injured, but they didn't say anything about he it. He returned last week on main event, actually, which tells you the okay. level that they give a crap about the Matadors. He made his return on main event. But, anyways, as far as it goes, I mean, the match itself was okay, it wasn't anything offensive, but yeah, you could hear a pin drop in that arena for most of it. And that's another thing that I wanted to touch on real quickly here. The crowd tonight, especially being a... I mean, you're from California. You know this as well as I do. Usually the the California crowds are kind of lackluster, and tonight was another prime example of that. The Anaheim crowd was more or less silent for most of the show. Yeah, I've mentioned it before, how one of the reasons why I really don't like going to the bigger wrestling shows of the WWE here, um, the crowd pretty much sucks, you know? (laughs) It's high, even if there is a chant, it does it dies quickly. And you know, it's it's I can't say too much about it because I don't really go crazy when I'm uh, watching. I, I think it's just because of the fact that I watch wrestling in a slightly different way. I'm literally watching it, so I don't have time to cheer. But I don't know if everybody feels that way in the arena or not. But it was pretty quiet, and it usually is. Um, like we got into the conversation about independent wrestling here, and compare that to like a, one of the major independent promotions based out of Los Angeles, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla out of Reseda. Those shows Holy are always insanely shit. hype. <laughs> so I don't Man, know if it's like I a can't. difference in the type of fans that go to these shows, or if it's just a case of Guerrilla starts at 8 o'clock over on the West Coast, whereas WWE Raw would have to go live at the West Coast on the West Coast at 5 o'clock. PWG is enhanced by the love that the fans have, the alcohol that is flowing, and the wrestling that's presented. You know, WWE's got a bunch of kids. Beer's like $12 for a fucking 16-ounce. You know, like, you're you're not going to get drunk at a WWE show, and if you do, you probably drank in the parking lot. You're tailgating before the show. It's turning into a football game. Hey, it comes full circle. Anyways, I worked the football thing back full circle. I'm proud of myself. Anyway, let's talk about Raw, Tony. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about the eulogy for Dean Ambrose, and then we'll get into the handicap match as well. Okay. Well, you know, um, last week we had a... I'm going to call it cheesy. It worked because of who was involved, but it was pretty cheesy seeing cinder blocks explode underneath Ambrose's head. Um, this week they followed it up with some more cheese. 
once again, this isn't an insult. This is a good thing. Uh, a eulogy for Dean Ambrose as if he pretty much died. It's the right kind of heel tactic that that a uh, you know a little chicken shit like Seth Rollins would do, and it's a eulogy and you have Kane involved. It just kind of works, you know. <laughs> Um, it, it, it was it was serviceable. Seth Rollins did pretty well on the mic. They they did a nice little goodbye to Dean, and of course he couldn't say much. And what I really loved was the continuity that I saw on SmackDown that continues today. Um, and by the way, yeah, I watched SmackDown <laughs> um, uh, with with Roman Reigns actually being upset about Ambrose. Now some could say, oh, well, they finally remembered. But I can I can see how maybe Ambrose and Reigns were, would be like, you know what, you're going to do your thing, I'm going to do mine. And this finally crossed the line, you know. Um, it's, a, it's also a nice way to get Roman Reigns the heat that he's seemingly lost a little bit. Because if anybody's going to make you cheer for Reigns, it's probably going to be Seth Rollins um, with their interactions. And tonight was a perfect example of that. We saw more cinder blocks. We saw Reigns throw a cinder block into a ring post. Kind of cheesy. It exploded. One flew towards King. I think he may have been upset about it because he didn't say anything for a while. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the segment worked um, as a whole. And I don't know if we're going to be getting Reigns. I mean, Reigns hasn't really left the feud. He's been fighting with the authority the entire time. Seth Rollins is an extension of that. So it's a way to keep everybody busy and hopefully let us remember that Ambrose is going to be creeping around the corner at any time now because they have to do something to where he won't lose his heat because men, they are on fire. All three of them, and, and this is a testament to the shield that has been pumping for, what, two years now? That, uh, you have Survivor to be Series 2012. Yeah, you've you got to be happy for these three guys. They have been consistently up in the top of the card. It's really, really sad because there are three men that were on their level that just got squashed tonight. <laughs> yeah, let's take everybody back to Elimination Chamber this year. Let's take everybody back to the six-man tag match of Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns against Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, and Eric Rowan. And an atmosphere for a six-man tag match, mind you, that was so incredibly intense that the fans were chanting, this is awesome, before the match even started. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, compare where the careers of the guys in the Shield, Ambrose, Rollins, Reigns, and what happened tonight with the Wyatt family. And it's kind of the complete other end of the spectrum as far as the WWE booking goes. It just it, right. it bothers me still. I'd rather not think about it anymore because if I do, I'm going to get mad about it again. And I've already moved on. I'm going to try to get past it. I will talk about it more in the final reaction because, believe me, there will be more to talk <laughs> It's just, I think what bothers me the most is that it's like, it's like seeing someone that you know is fully capable of doing something great and watching them do something just good, or not even good, bad. We know that the WWE is capable of doing something good because look at what they've created with the Shield, with certain superstars that have grown, whether it be organically or through force-feeding us, you know? And yet they're not able to do that on a consistent basis. It's just really sad. Yeah, I'm completely with you there. Uh, how about the match itself, the handicap match between Roman Reigns against Seth Rollins and Kane? Well, I mentioned it earlier. It seemed like a bit of a – it was a more of a elongated squash match, I think. I think that um, Reigns handled both of them pretty easily. Um, your defense was that Kane was a semi-retired, you know, semi-active wrestler, and Seth Rollins is a chicken shit, is a coward. 
so it wasn't booked incorrectly. Um, they still want to build Reigns to be basically Cena number two. So it worked for the most part for me. Um, it was a little short, and it was basically Roman Reigns hitting his big moments, and then that's it. And that's not going to help him in the long run, especially considering one of the biggest complaints is the fact that he's kind of one note in the ring. But at the same time, I think this was more storyline-based than it was actual in-ring action, so I guess it gets a pass. Uh, do you think that what we saw tonight on Raw in regards to Roman Reigns finally getting involved with Seth Rollins, means, Seth Rollins means the end of the Roman Reigns-Randy Orton storyline? Because we had just seen them expound upon that last week on Raw and SmackDown, and then this happens tonight. Yeah, that kind of threw me off also. Like, Orton was nowhere to be seen, and um, they didn't really touch on it or say anything. We didn't get 15 recap videos of it, so, I mean, I assume if it doesn't exist to them, it shouldn't exist to us. But, well, like I said, the authority is all kind of intertwined right now, so maybe he'll come up again. Kane, I don't want Kane in the ring with Reigns. I think that it would be extremely boring and a bad idea. So uh, you're not going to get the Seth versus Roman match right away, at least I hope not. So I think Orton still has a role to play. They just didn't, you know, they just didn't mention it tonight. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, real quick before we move on here, if it is going to be Roman Reigns, or excuse me, Seth Rollins and Randy Orton against Roman Reigns and a partner, who do you see stepping up to be Roman Reigns' partner? Because to my knowledge, to my knowledge, Dean Ambrose is written out so he can go film walk down. Right. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm not 100% sure. Um, it's not necessarily who I would want, because I don't think I want anybody, but um, just WWE booking alone um, basically says that there's going to be somebody, even if it's just for an interim. But um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want anybody. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, RVD's been tagging with him a couple of times, but even that doesn't strike me as something that I would want to see or you know, buy into. Roman Reigns has been built as a lone ranger. I don't know if they're going to keep it that way, if they're going to make it him versus the world or the authority. Um, I don't know. Do you have someone in mind, or are you just asking? Uh, the very first thought that popped into my head, as far as that goes, would be a guy like Big E, who's not really doing anything else, especially if the New Nation thing doesn't take off. What the hell is Big E doing? <laughs> uh, nothing. He wasn't on Raw tonight. All right. <clears throat> And yeah, I'm not sure what they were Just some, tossing something at the ball and seeing if it sticks. Yeah. All right. Hold on. Just for you, Tony. I love when things are just for me. You're welcome. You're welcome! <laughs> I opened my root beer into the phone so you could get the sound effects for your next deal. Oh, well, thanks. Carry on. Um, yeah, um, you knew it was coming. I liked, I waited a little bit uh, this week. But right. let's talk about AJ. Good Lord. Um, well, we made it 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Might be a new record new, uh, for the reaction. Maybe. Um, got herself a slightly new Carry look. On. I love it. I love anything that she wears or doesn't wear. Um, well, let's, let's, okay, Paige versus Natty. It was actually, it was a really good match. It was short, but it was really good. Natty looked great, um, and Paige did her job really well as well, as far as an opponent goes. Um, and then AJ comes out to pretty much give a little bit more 
um, awkwardness than we've seen before. Uh, as a man, all I kept seeing, all I kept saying was kiss her, kiss her, kiss her. And she did. AJ kissed Paige, if you guys didn't see, on the hand. Um, but we got, I don't know, it's, it's more of a, AJ's starting to flirt with her, and I'm really liking where it's going. And I'm not talking about just a perverted manner. I mean in terms of storyline where basically this is, this is Paige trying to say, I got this, and AJ saying, no, my little English muffin, you don't have this at all. You have no idea who you're messing with. Um, you don't know crazy until you've met me. And it's a good story. It's, you know, I mean, yes, so obviously they could be ta- they could be fighting over shampoo and I would love it. Um, but you know, no, that was Booker T and not- Kajiri and Edge's thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, I'm just I'm really excited about the continuation of this storyline. More AJ means I'm happy. I've heard rumors of her wanting to spend more time at home with me, but you know, as long as she's doing her thing on you know on the show, I'm gonna continue to support her. I really like Paige's reactions to everything AJ did. Her facial reactions, her tensing up, her small brush away to AJ after the hug. They're both on point right now, and I bet they're having a lot of fun doing it. I'm getting a very single white female vibe from this. I'm actually enjoying it. <laughs> um, the only other thing that I can really add to that there is Natty looks very nice in her new year. Mm-hmm. I also I mentioned think, that. I don't the- I don't think Natalia gets the credit that she deserves for being as beautiful as she is, honestly. I think Natty's constantly slept on by people as far as divas go. I mean, she's a, obviously she's a bigger girl, but she wears it well, you know? Yeah, she's, she's a good girl, and the, the outfit really works for her. I really like the change. I like the shorts. I like the, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't scream sexy, but it's really, it's really, it really is. And um, it adds to her toughness, I think. It doesn't detract from it, which is very hard to do. Do you remember the Diva the Doom thing with her and Beth Phoenix? Yes. I think that this right here kind of ties into that as well, and the fact that, yeah, she's an ass-kicker inside the ring, but she's also a very attractive woman. Mm-hmm. So it's like the whole Diva the Doom thing of getting rid of the Barbies and letting the stronger females stand for themselves. And I think that that's something that if they wanted to bring back with Natalia, I think that's something that could work with the modern fans as well. Because maybe some of them weren't around for the original run of the Divas of Doom. Or I think they kind of cut that off early when Beth left to take care of Edge. Yeah. Moving on really... here. Um, we're actually still running a little bit behind, so if you want to, we can go ahead and skip the second. Com- we can go ahead and skip the commercial break unless you need a moment. No, let's go. Let's get this thing over. All right, then we're gonna move right on into. As soon as I get back down there on the sound effect board, this is what happens when I play Damien Sandow. Okay, I accidentally hit the raw reaction opening theme, and I was kind of tempted to let it play until we actually hit Union Undergrounds across the nation. Anyways, <laughs> time for Harry's hit here, and um, 
Okay, so a lot of us saw Cody turning heel down the road. How many of us saw both of them turning heel? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay, everybody, put your hand down because you're a freaking liar. If my hand was not raised, yep. <laughs> this is one of those things where you did not see it coming, and it caught you off guard, and you were pleasantly surprised by the fact that they caught you off guard with this. Obviously, Jay, or was it Jay that hurt his knee? I think they said it was Jay. The Uso that hurt his knee obviously didn't actually hurt his knee. But it led to the count-out finish of the tag title match on Raw tonight. Goldust was less than happy, as one would imagine one would be, about losing a tag title opportunity. And called him out for basically faking a knee injury. Jimmy tries to defend his brother, or Jay tries to defend his brother, depending on which Uso it was that was hurt. I couldn't tell, honestly. I was kind of involved with my draft at that moment. And then Goldust and Cody both turn. For as much crap as we've given creative tonight, I must tip my cap to them for this one. This was fantastically done. It was well it was well done by all four performers tonight. And now that we're probably going towards the tag titles on the line in a heated match, in a grudge match of sorts at Night of Champions, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the four of them are going to do for the tag belts at the pay-per-view. Um, a, your thoughts on them pulling the trigger on a Cody and Goldust turn? B, does it prolong the inevitable of Goldust and Cody feuding? C, do you look forward to the to the rematch coming down the road? Um, yeah, I, I was I was pretty surprised um, in a good way. I didn't see I didn't see Goldust turning at all, let alone turning with his brother. Um, I did like the little foreshadowing of them being basically saying that if they didn't win, there'd be cataclysmic results, and it, there was. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess we're going to see some heelish goldies, which is fine by me. It does prolong the match. I mean, if they do this right, they can stretch this. They can stretch this all the way to Mania if they do it right. Um, I thought tonight was a moment where they lost the belt, or I'm sorry, they lost the match, and Cody kind of snapped. And if that happened, I thought it was going to be, like, not too soon, but not done right. So I'm glad they didn't do that. Instead, they did something that just kind of worked for me. Um, I am still interested in a match between the two. I do feel that if it's done right, the story is still there, still able to be presented in a good way. And I'm looking forward to see how how they take these characters into a, a heelish uh, tendencies way. Yeah, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that since he came back in the middle of 2013 in regards to the Rhodes family getting their jobs back, I believe this is the first time we've seen Goldust even show any kind of shades of gray as far as turning heel goes, let alone actually outright turning tonight. Yep. And he didn't do much heel work in his previous run with the company before that either. So it'll be interesting to see where they're coming from with this newer, fresher side to Goldust. And i got to say, I was pleasantly caught off guard by this one because I didn't think it was going to happen. So I, I must give credit where credit is due and say that I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes, where this chapter of the feud goes next, especially now that we actually have defined lines in the sand, the use of the mm-hmm. baby faces. The brothers dust are heels, and they actually have a legitimate reason to be fighting other than the titles and the fact that the Dust Brothers went above and beyond the call of a wrestling match when they attacked a injured Uso a post-match off the tag title defense that they got here tonight on Raw. So i got to give credit where credit's due to all four men as well as whoever was in charge of taking care of that segment. Well, because they did a fantastic job of it. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so I got a little bit steamed earlier. <laughs> I get the feeling that it's probably about to be your turn here, Tony. Oh, yeah. All right, so when um, I used to do the raw R's, which is the right, the wrong, the ridiculous, and, you know, um, for uh, 411 Mania, basically you said what you liked, disliked, hated, thought was retarded about the show. Um, and one thing that always bothered me when I did this was uh, the amount of recaps during the actual show. Now, the good news is those weren't due until Thursday, so I was, most, I was mostly able to watch Raw to, with my own pacing. Um, uh, the, uh, the pacing was basically I could fast-forward whatever the hell I wanted to. However, when you do that, you realize how much wrestling you actually watch versus how much wrestling you don't watch. And if you ever watch Raw, not live, and fast-forward stuff that you don't need, i.e. recaps, you're missing out on a lot of time. And let me tell you why this pisses me off. <laughs> it pisses me off because you guys went to three hours. If you went to three hours, you should fill those three hours with the product that you're trying to sell. It pisses me off because it insults my intelligence. You're assuming that I don't remember what happened five minutes ago. And it pisses me off because it's doing nothing but self-promoting during a show in which your fans are actually watching already. Rarely is it, especially in 2014, rarely is the case where somebody comes home, flips on the TV, cuts into an hour's worth of Raw and says, gee, I wonder what I missed, and is happy that a recap shows them what they've missed. Nowadays, anybody that watches wrestling either DVRs it, watches it at a, at a later time, or is fully aware of what's going on, or goes online and reads something on 411mania.com to see what's going on. You know, if you, and it's not bad. Recaps aren't bad. You know, every TV show has that minute and a half before where they tell you what happened last week. Raw tells you what happened five minutes ago. Sometimes they tell you what happened just before the commercial break. It is getting ridiculous. And when I wrote the Raw R's, there was a, a long stretch of time, a long few months, where the recaps were done over and over and over again. And we're getting back to that again for whatever reason. The only reason I could think of is it's just shoddy booking as far as the entire show. The timing's off. They don't have enough space to, uh, they don't have enough things to fill the space that they have. And they're trying their best to pad whatever they're missing. But when you watch the show, you see holes, you see, you see people getting time that they shouldn't, and you see people not getting time that they should. And if you were just, I want to, next week, if I remember, I want to time all the recaps and see how much time we're really wasting on all of this superfluous stuff, because it's got to be a lot. And it's just getting, it's, it's really bugging me. Um, I can remind you of that next week, right before okay. you get ready to start the recap. I can shoot you a Facebook message and remind you, hey, don't forget to time the uh, recap video packages. Yeah, definitely going to do it. Uh, as far as all those recaps go? Anybody got time for that? Exactly. And specifically, I'm referring to these guys in the undercard who don't have time for that. Because these are moments that you could be using to establish other characters. Where was Big E tonight? Where was he, or excuse me, where was Zack Ryder tonight? Where were guys that we usually get to see on an episode of Monday Night Raw that aren't around? Or even guys that we don't get to see until we see them in on either main event or wasting time away on SmackDown as well. It's all these video packages that you're airing, the time that it takes to put the video packages together in production, 
not to mention all of the resources that have to get put into putting those packages together during the show, in addition to all of the guys that aren't getting time because you're doing all of these kinds of recap video packages here, it's doing nothing but further hindering the ability to advance your product. Yeah, it's just I I don't I don't from it. It the only positive aspect I can see is that they're literally filling time that they're unable to fulfill. You know, they're they're they have gaps in their schedule as far as the day the the show itself, and they have to do something to pad that time. It's kind of like when you're at Raw at a live taping and they play commercials for DVDs while while they're the commercials air on TV for other people. Um, you know, and then when you get back, you get a recap. So not only do you get a commercial, but you get a recap of what just happened. And I, I think that's what bugs me, not just that they're doing that, but that they're doing it repeatedly. And and like I said, you went to three hours. This was your choice. This, I mean, I don't care if USA pressured you or if you got it from somewhere else. You chose to go to three hours, and you've been doing this for a long time. What is the purpose of the recaps? What are you really gaining from them? And at some point, you have to think that they realize that they need to do this, 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 and that in order to fill the entire time frame that they need there so that they can mm-hmm. do stuff like this without having to rely on these video packages that, as you said, are insulting to the intelligence of the fans that are watching because we're, not, we're supposed to not remember something that just happened five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand that the attention spans, generally speaking, are much shorter than they were back when maybe the attitude error, but this has been like a problem even back then where they were constantly doing these video recap packages. And to your point of people flipping onto the channel, that's exactly right. If you're not going to be there for the start of Raw in order to be able to finish Raw, you're usually going to DVR it. And then you're going to fast forward all that crap anyway, so you're just wasting valuable airtime that could be used for other things. Like shilling the yep. WWE. Never mind. Anyway, I'm not even going to. I was going to make a 9.99 joke, but I decided against it. <laughs> Although, honestly, I think I'd rather make a 9.99 joke than talk about our next segment. <laughs> Tony, let's talk about Raw. Let's. I really don't know where to begin with how stupid this segment was. Let's tell them what we're referring to here. The family reunited or re... How did King put it? Um, Reconciliation. Reconciliation? Yeah. Yes. First of all, neither of these women can carry a live promo to save their ass. Second, does anybody honestly believe Nikki believes a single word she's saying? It's coming off so forced. Third, why is Jerry Lawler in there in the middle of the cat fight? Doesn't everybody know that the Divas are what gave him the heart attack in the first place? <laughs> okay, that might have been too far. Never too far. Just go back to getting, just go back to getting cinder blocks thrown at him. Anyways, like, what purpose does this have other than to say, "Oh, Nikki Evil, be good, Nikki Evil." And did it even accomplish anything but other than make people want to change the channel? Yeah, the, um, okay. When Steph was feuding with Brie, it felt like a big-time thing because it was Stephanie McMahon. It felt like a huge event. It felt like something that was 
what, maybe the third top match. Like, it was something that people bought into as a legitimate feud. Nikki versus Bella is a main event on main event, okay? It is not, it is not, it is not worthy of the time that it's getting. It's being treated as one of the top storylines, and nobody cares because of a number of the things that you already said. Brie, I, I, really, I really have a drawing. I have an attraction to Brie. I feel that she's a genuinely good person, and she seems and she's really pretty. She's definitely hotter than her sister, and I know they're twins, but I know many twins who one is hotter than the other. It's just a matter of how they hold themselves up and what they are and whatnot. As a character, Brie is, is someone you can kind of attach to, especially considering who she's married to. Nikki, there's almost no mention of who her her you know her boyfriend is. There's almost no mention of how she's attached or linked to John Cena, and there's not going to be because their characters don't work together. Um, but in terms of promo cutting, in terms of her being on the microphone, she wasn't believable in the slightest. She, she, she over-inflects her voice at the wrong moment. She heightens words that shouldn't be and hides words that should be. It's, I mean, it's very, it's acting 101. Which words are you going to amplify versus which words are you going to minimize? You know, and she just does the wrong ones. Like, she's screaming out womb instead of, you know, like, died. <laughs> you know, like, it's, just, it's those little things that in regular speech, if you just talk to someone, you know, it, it works. But because they're being forced, because they apparently can't handle a script correctly, then the the um, the implications of the words are are different and they're not realistic and ears pick up on that and I think that the entire crowd and the entire WWE universe is picking up on that. They don't believe it because it sounds forced. It sounds fake. It sounds like someone that is literally just reading shit off of a card. The only thing that they have going for them is that they're sisters and they could read off of each other. But if they're both acting and they're both bad at it, then you get what you got tonight, which was essentially crap. Brie looked really bad trying to cry. And Nikki, her best moments was when she was walking away somewhere. The only thought that I had during that entire segment was how much longer until this is over. It's, you hit the nail right on the head here, Tony. It's Stephanie being involved with Brie felt like something major because this is the first time we had seen Stephanie put herself into physical harm's way since 2003. Yeah, it was a big moment. I will admit to saying before it started that I actually had somewhat of a casual interest in seeing where they go with Nikki versus Brie. They've completely killed my interest in this storyline. I have no reason to care what happens to either of them because Nikki comes off as a total bitch and... Brie comes off as somebody that's not willing to stand up and fight for herself anyways. Which is ironic because she spent a whole two months doing just that. (laughs) Yeah, it's like as soon as she gets into a feud with her sister, she crumbles after standing up to the most powerful woman in the world of professional wrestling. Sorry, Dixie Carter. Anyways. Oh, speaking of which, um, just real quick here, because it's been kind of a trademark, it's been kind of a, a hot-button topic lately. Your thoughts on violence, men on women violence in wrestling? Um, if I were, well, that's a long conversation, but if I were to minimize it in about a minute, um, there's a definite divide between fiction and reality, and if you're unable to differentiate between the two, then you probably shouldn't be watching. 
I have full trust in mental capacity of human beings to, to be able to see certain things on television and not repeat or refabricate or intensify such ideas. Um, and if they're not able to, then that's not a knock on the males in this world as much as it is the person's brain power, which could link into stupidity of the world as a whole, which could also link into lack of intelligence of a lot of people, the inability to, you know, simply divide what they're watching towards what they live. So, yeah, I think if if it's legal to put on TV, then you could do whatever you want, and it's the viewer's choice to decipher whether or not that message is supposed to be something that they take home or that they just look at as a entertainment factor. Well, to tie this back to what we were discussing earlier, you said earlier that you were at PWG in addition to being at Apex Pro Wrestling. You went to PWG's 11th anniversary show. And right. one of the things that happened at PWG's 11th anniversary show is Candice LeRae got the shit beat out of her by the Young Bucks. Oh, yeah, she did. But, and then you have situations like what we saw on TNA TV a couple of weeks ago when Bully Ray finally put Dixie Carter through the table, which they had been teasing for months and months on end. These are blow-offs to major ankles in these companies, though, so I don't see the problem with it. And as you said, if people can't differentiate the difference between what's real and what's not, what's storyline and what's life, then that's not on the companies that's providing the product. That's on the persons themselves. Yeah, and there's always a choice. You can, I mean, I, when I saw Candice LeRae get kicked in the face by a thumbtack-filled shoe, it was unsettling, and I turned my head a little bit, and I said, son of a bitch. <laughs> you know? But, you know, but at the same time, that's my choice to either pay for it, to turn my head, to not see it, to see it. I'm fully aware of what I'm paying for. I'm fully aware of what I'm seeing, and it doesn't mean that I look at women any differently in regards to, possibly kicking them in the face or even putting them down in a particular way, you know, and, and this ties into a lot of stuff that, you know, if you wanted to, we could talk about at length. But basically, I have, like I said, I, I trust people more than I should in regards to the decisions that they make are solely theirs and to blame it or to even assume that there's a responsibility of television, of wrestling, of music, of role models that some people simply never chose to be role models then that's just laziness on a on a one a single person's um fault. All right, I, I do we have anything else to touch on as far as tonight's show goes? Or are you ready to get into the final reaction? Final reaction. All right, let's go ahead and hit this here. Um I usually you go first, so I'm gonna go ahead and go first here tonight and then I'll then you can go ahead and go and then I'll do the wrap up here. All right. All right. So for the new listeners of the show and if there are anybody, welcome in. The final reaction is where we take, we give the show a letter grade, we mention our favorite and our least favorite points of the show, and then we explain why we gave the show the letter grade that we did. I really hate to do this because they've been on something of a hot streak lately, but I, I think I almost have to go C minus D plus for tonight's Monday Night Raw. And I'm going to stay with a C minus because there were a couple things tonight that do pique my interest. I'm curious as to where they're going to go with Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins, and I'm really looking forward to what's going to happen in regards to the brothers' dust against the Usos for the tag titles. And as I said earlier in the show, Cesaro and Sheamus beating the sh out of each other for 15 minutes over the U.S. title on pay-per-view is not, never going to be a bad thing. But there was just so much bullshit on tonight's Raw. The segment with the Bellas, the 
completely unnecessary and unmitigated burial of the Wyatt family. And yes, what we saw tonight was a burial. The difference between what happened tonight with the Wyatt family and what happened at SummerSlam with John Cena at the hands of Brock Lesnar is Cena was manhandled by one person. Tonight, Cena took out his revenge on three different people and in the process made all of them look weak at the same time. Therefore, the problem that I see with that is you're hurting the drawing power of the Wyatt family by doing something like that. In addition, you're also killing a chance to do any kind of a recovery storyline with John Cena as far as him trying to figure out how to bounce back from having his ass handed to him by Brock Lesnar, as I mentioned earlier in the show. So, That being said, my favorite moment for tonight had to have been Cody and Goldust's turn. It's just one of those things that came out of nowhere and it surprised the crap out of me, and I was really impressed at the way it was handled and executed. My least favorite moment of the show tonight was definitely the Bella segment. I found myself reaching for my remote to hit the mute button on multiple occasions. I didn't at any point, but I wanted to. And that's never something that a segment should make you want to do. As entertainers, your job is to draw your fans in, not push them away. And I feel that tonight's Bella segment did the exact opposite of what they want to, of what they wanted to do as entertainers. Um, Tony, your letter grade for tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw. I'm going with a D plus. Um, I I do feel that there were things on the show that were pretty good in terms of um, the show itself, but at the same time, there just wasn't enough for me to raise it up. It was like too little too late in regards to what they showed as a possible savings grace. Last week, they had a great main event. They had some good promos, and they had just all-around good matches. The only thing that I saw this week that was good was Rusev versus Swagger. Everything else was just kind of there. Um, It's just, you know, it's really sad that we saw a week worth a week's worth of uh, Monday Night Raw where there was fresh blood, seemingly new storylines, a lot of adventure and excitement as far as what was coming next, only to have Raw tonight go exactly how we, how we were afraid it was going, at least me personally. This happens all the time. Cena fights a monster, gets his ass kicked, says it's the worst fight of his life, says he's damaged inside, emotionally, physically, everything only to show up a week, two weeks later, not show any signs of wear and tear, not show any injuries, no tape, no, no, nothing bleeding, no black eye, no, oh, my God, this hurts, no questioning of whether or not he can do things, nothing. It's the same shit, and, and they, have, they feel the need to recover him. They, they feel the need to repair him when he's not showing any signs of being broken. It's just, Raw tonight was five steps backwards after a great show last week that could have continued onward to the next pay-per-view and forward. But it's like they're afraid. They're afraid to just let Cena be something that is uh, vulnerable. And if you're not, you can't do that. Yeah, human. And and like I I said, I mean, I don't want to get too philosophical about it or even just in regards to, to just, you know, storytelling, like I always say every week. You need a vulnerable hero. You need a hero that's not untouchable. You need someone to latch on to. There's a reason why beatdowns from heels make more sense than beatdowns from faces. Like when Natty clotheslined Paige, my first thought was, what was that for? <laughs> you know, put that on a bigger stage and you've got Cena tearing up the Wyatts for seemingly no reason other than they needed to repair the character who, like I said, simply wasn't broken. Your favorite moment on tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw? Um, 
AJ's hug, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then the little uh, hand kiss that followed. Yeah, and just like, I mean, the girl's just, she's just adorable, but she also has the, her character down pat. And Paige, kudos to her, too, for doing some great reactions to all of that. Um, I really like Of course, as far as the match goes, Rusev and Swagger was really good, a, re- a lot more, uh, a lot better than I think people kind of give it a, you know, give the credit for, or would we even willing to give it credit for? Um, one other quick thing about that there, as far as uh, AJ and Paige goes. My favorite part about that entire thing is uh, Lawler at the very tail end of it being like, okay, maybe I was wrong. I guess AJ's still kind of a queen of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your least favorite moment on tonight's role? Just it's really hard in general, to this week. I mean, am I going with Cena? Am I going with the Bellas? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Cena. I think I feel more towards that. The Bellas is more of an apathetic, like, this really has no bearing on anything that I care about. But the Cena thing is just a continuous problem that I've had with the wrestling product for years now. I think I speak for both of us when I say this here. In order for us to believe in a hero, we must have the fear that he might not be able to overcome. You never get that with John Cena. Never. And when he's your top baby face, that's a problem. And I'm starting to see signs of the same kind of book in regards to Roman Reigns, and it worries me as well. Because you touched on it briefly earlier as well in regards to the way that the handicap match was booked. Yeah, the only thing that I question is in regards to, I mean, if this works, if we're just fans that are angry, if there were people like us 15 years ago bitching about somebody, um, you know, not feeling the same way about Hogan in, you know, letters or phone calls or stuff like that instead of the Internet or podcasts, and and we're just oblivious to the reality that this shit works, then we could be wrong. But my mentality on the whole Cena thing has always been not that it doesn't work, but that there's such a better way to do it. Maybe that's something we might want to consider for our future episode here of the reaction. How would we book John Cena? in order to give the character some kind of death that clearly creative has no concept of at the present moment in regards to him, especially coming off of the ass-kicking that he took at the hands of Lesnar. Like, how would we book Cena coming off of that match with Lesnar at SummerSlam? Maybe that's something we can look into doing for next week's episode on Monday night, or uh, for the raw reaction. Sure. You got anything okay. else here to touch on? That's pretty much it. Um, I want everyone to have a nice, you know, week and Labor Day coming up. Um you know, we'll 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 touch on that. We'll notify everybody in regards to what we're doing. But um, you know, have a good one. Don't die. Well, actually, now that you mentioned it, it's kind of relevant. We'll have to do it with how we would do the Cena booking in two weeks because you're going to miss next week's reaction. Yeah, are we we're going to do it on Tuesday. Yeah, next week's raw reaction will actually air on Tuesday evening. Uh, I have a family commitment that night. I'm not missing, and he works on Tuesday, so Tony's gonna be able to listen. Yeah, almost likely to be able to. I said, and you shouldn't. You shouldn't miss any family function. But no, almost likely find a way to at least call in and say hi. Um, It may be behind a bar, but you know, 
<laughs> well, that's fine. You can give it, you can give the bar a shout out and let everybody know that if they come in and mention the show. You can get like a drink off here or something. Yeah. I know that you said that people come in wearing Batman shirts, they get a free drink on you. Yes, if they come in wearing a Batman shirt, I will buy their first drink. <laughs> uh, so I will be joined next week by Jimmy Christopher once again, and I might see if I can get Sean Germer to sit in with us as well from Wrestling to the Max. He's Tony Acero of 411 Mania. I'm Harry Broadhurst of Black Diamond Wrestling and Real Action Pro Wrestling. I want to thank you guys for listening. This has been the Raw Reaction on Powerhouse Radio, www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. I want to thank everybody for listening once again, and we will see you next Tuesday night for the Raw Reaction. Have a good night, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Deuces, bitches!